Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. This week, we've got a special, special episode with Brett Lovelady. Every episode is special. Brett is founder and CEO of Astro Studios, based out of San Fran. Shout out Bay Area. They're a design agency focused on all things offline, online first came into my radar when they designed xbox 360 one of the most influential impactful game-changing game consoles in the world ever created bar none in addition to that they still are working i mean that was some years ago most recently they just had both sleep buds released i mean these these folks have been featured fast companies world top 10 most innovative companies most recently articles all over fast code design man so excited to have Brett Lovelady here to talk about how his design agency and his past experiences really helped inform the way they prototype for major, major products. Tune in. Point, you know, um, it, it kind of bounces back and forth for me between sort of, you know, inspirational, um, you know, story kind of, you know, based um, content um, and business content. Um, and, and sometimes it's sort of inspired by just like what I find or discover through like, you know, getting online and sort of moving through some of the, uh, news feeds and, you know, newsletters and, you know, design community versus business community. And it'll just sort of spark like, oh, that sounds like an interesting topic. I'll just sort of dive in there. Or a lot of, a lot of times these days, things popping up on LinkedIn through all the people I'm connected with. And it'll be like, wow, that seems like, you know, something to learn more about. Um, and, you know. I think that's, um, I don't know, uh, I guess, you know, something just sort of like randomly happens. I don't, I don't like go and like look at a list and like, I've got to, I've got to get the top, you know, best sellers in this category. <laughs> that doesn't kind of, yeah. you know, what's your opinion really? on self-help, the self-help category? I know that's huge right now. People are, especially on the internet, people have a, are literally selling courses for tens and of thousands of dollars. Like, what's your opinion on that space? Yeah, well, you know, everybody's got to, you know, trying to find a problem or searching through life to mean, you know, find meaning or improve themselves. And so I can't really, you know, fight against it because I think it works for a lot of people. You know, I think it's, you know, it's just probably the same, you know, sort of a modern religion tenet, right? Just like, you know, I don't know, pick pick a pick a, a physical movement to, you know, whether it's, you know, yoga being adopted or you know, meditation or mindfulness, you know, categories of things. And it's all good. You know, if it's, if it's positive and helps you get past some of the, the challenges of modern day living, then, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I can't knock it at all. Um, I think it's always interesting to see what people commercialize, right? Like what they, you know, right. um, I think, you know, it's like, I don't know, I guess as a, as a designer, marketer, developer, you know, um, you know, it's interesting to see like, oh, wow, they put a really interesting spin on something that, you know, it's either brand new or know it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by the time people hear this show, they would have gotten a brief intro into you and the studio, but I want them to have it from kind of from the horse's mouth, just a brief intro about yourself, uh, the studio that you own and operate, and then a little bit of background, just so they have some context about why you know what the hell you're talking about and when they listen in. So... <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, so I've been a, uh, you know, a classically trained industrial designer is where I started out. And um, I took a job in Silicon Valley to pay off my student loans and and see what was going on in this community. 
and got deeply embedded in what I would consider Silicon Valley design culture mm. um, for right, the first you know five to seven years of my my career. Bounced around a little bit, became a vice president at Lunar Design, VP at Frog and Frog Design as well. And then at some point, I was like, you know, I really want to start my own company, um, but I want to base it on um, a, a more in-depth um, view of consumer-centered design. Right. This is very tech tech out here, and you could just see that tech was going to go screaming into consumer markets. And when I say consumer, I mean just like you know, regular everyday people markets. Absolutely. And, you know, we were sporting goods, and you know, and, and toys, and fashion, and you know, the things that you know most people in, in you know uh, deal with daily. Not necessarily the next supercomputer. Um, and in doing that, so that's why I set up Astro. Um, is uh you know chose a name you know people usually ask about that it's like why astro and astro is not actually a word by itself it's a modifier to all other words and mm. i always thought it made things cooler than they would be normally you know it's like do you want a car or do you want an astro car you know do so you know just pick any kind of subject and so it was it was meant to be that and um but starting the business too was um i also wanted to tap into uh, empowering design. I always thought design was way more than the service that it was being applied as in most mm -hmm. cases. And so the idea of originating, you know, our own ideas and bringing those to life and bringing those to market and then monetizing that, you know, not just as a service, but as a, you know, um, really a front end definer of new companies and businesses and opportunities to do that. You kind of have to own your own place. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's how we set up Astro and, um, you know, can't, uh, haven't looked back. So I've got two follow-ups there. The first is, do you think people are jumping the gun too soon from a young age, from an age standpoint to own their own shop? Um, and then the second one is what's your opinion on what it, what, at least the viewpoint I have of people, lots of studios being acquired and becoming more in-house shops for, for larger yeah. companies. Uh, I know two separate thought patterns there, but it's interesting to hear. That's all right. No, that's good. It's good. I'm too young. I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, I jumped in I started my own company at 31 with three kids and a mortgage. So I don't, you know, I just, I needed to do it, you know? And so right. it's a, it's a little bit of like, listen to your own heart and where you want to spend your career and develop your point of view. Um, you know, I think it's harder now, like the, mm -hmm. the amazing corporate jobs and, you know, attention to design and positioning of design, some really amazing opportunities out there. And, you know, it's like, you know, when I was coming up, it's sort of, I was feeding off of, uh, you know, and building on top of uh, a lot of other designers that had been legitimizing their industries for decades, um, you know, fighting out from underneath engineering or marketing and, you know, and, and saying like, look, there's a discipline here that should be visionary and leading. And so, you know, they, just, they were stepping out of that shadow and, you know, that's where a lot of the I think great designers and consultancies came from. And so I felt privileged to sort of like, you know, launch from their hard work. And then now I think a big part of what we've been able to do was that, you know, instill that independent confidence in designers to be CDOs and to like lead the discussion and now CEOs. And for me, that's really important because fundamentally, I got a few fundamentals, but one of them is that we as we as designers are the human advocates in the process, um, you know, and it's our responsibility to to play that through that throughout. And sometimes you can only affect a few things, and sometimes you can affect a lot. And 
but we're in position to do that. And we should fight for, you know, to be in position to do that. So I'm a huge advocate of every company needs a chief design officer, even if it's, you know, a startup that needs somebody that owns it and takes responsibility for more than a product or more than a brand, but like really even how that company interfaces with, you know, humans. And, um, and we try to do that at Astro. I mean, our number one mantra is improve the human experience. Mm. And so if we start with every project and go like, what can we do here? What is it? Can we change material? Can we improve someone's life? Can we just affect a, you know, a process that saves money? If we make this more sustainable or can we figure out a way to help people create jobs? You know, it's like, I mean, again, if you put that lens on it first, it's what you do is way more than, you know, pushing pixels and radiuses around. I find it to be an interesting time that we're talking today in particular because uh, the big news yesterday was Mark Zuckerberg losing what 15 to 18 billion dollars worth of net worth and yeah it, well, he, it, he found it under his pillow anyways I mean, yeah, it, it's all good <laughs> <laughs> but I say I bring that up because uh my generation in particular I've never been in the workforce through a downturn through a market downturn so I think well, you are young <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> uh, so it's it's interesting to prepare for that mentally. I mean, I think I yeah. like to think that I'm keep my eye out a little bit more for it than the next person. But at the end of the day, like nobody's ever really prepared for it. Sure. Uh, what would you say to that 25 year old guy? I mean, I'm 25. So what would you say <clears throat> to the 25 year old person who's uh, seeing the opportunity, seeing startup cultures, but, you know, about to make a move, make it, make a move on their own, whatever the case, what skills, what mindset and what tactics can sustain you in a thriving market and in a market dip? So, you know, I know there's a lot there, but how do you yeah. keep it going? No, it's a good question. Um, I'll try not to ramble around too much, but I think from a business standpoint and from a career standpoint, my, my, my impression is you personally are already doing this. Um, multiple sources of income, multiple sources of expertise. Um, the cool thing about design is you got to know a little bit about everybody else's business in order to do good work. Yeah. You got to know the engineer, you got to know the marketer, you got to know the manufacturer, you got to know people, you got to know research, psychology, right? Like we're, we're a, you know, kind of a sponge, but also a crossroads of all those things. So it does not hurt you to have multiple sources of expertise. Therefore, multiple sources of income, like you can spin yourself as that creative person um, a, a few different ways. Mm. Um, and in a downturn, you know, for us, like being involved in like multiple markets, you know, let's say the tech market hits a wall. Like, you know, I lived through the dot com bubble. Right. Right. And we lived through times when software was more important and people were investing in that, not even investing in hardware. And then all of a sudden people, it turns around and like, oh, you know, hardware is in vogue again. And, you know, and I guess we, we being in the consumer markets, we're, we're at the mercy of, you know, ups and downs quite a bit. And at the same time, we recover pretty fast. You know, we might be over here in sporting goods and, you know, and consumables and, you know, uh, advanced technologies or visions of the future type stuff all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you can imagine if you're diverse in your application of your skill set, <clears throat> You know, you're going to have opportunities to sort of weather those things. Um, the other thing, honestly, learn learn about finance, man. It's like a little bit of a left turn. But if you're going to own your own business and run your own thing, 
don't abdicate that to your accountant or you know uncle bob who like knows finance you know it's like go go learn it it's not hard you know it's like it's a lot of rules they try to make it hard like every profession like legal and you know real estate or whatever you know it's like and i'm sure people look at design the same way it's like oh that's crazy it's hard but you know if you're gonna run a business whether you're on you know i don't know online or you know setting up shop somewhere go figure out what it means and how it works and then do something your grandma probably always said which is have three months of you know you know money in the bank Mm -hmm. because you know economies turn companies collapse you know startups fail um you you know people get sick you know all that stuff and if you do do that that's super helpful and then you know some other basic kind of old school things right is like, you know, not just put money away, but invest it in like, you know, doing the, do the hard things, right. To like invest in yourself along the way, yeah. Um, yeah. put money aside or, you know, instead of renting a building, figure out how to buy one, right. Instead of, you know, leasing, you know, a, you know, a lot of equipment, figure out how to share with somebody else in business. You know what I mean? Just stuff that, you know, you know, it's such an old school <laughs> cliche, but it's not what you make. It's what you keep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's not about money, but I tell you, money makes money gives you time to focus on the other things and help other people. And when you can help other people, you are, I don't know, you're fulfilling what I think, you know, makes your job worthwhile in hard times. You know, yeah, it's, so. it's so interesting to talk about that for me. I mean, my background before design professionally was in strategy and operations consulting. So I was, on the road four days a week and I'm very much in tune with that side of my brain still a little bit. And it's like, you know, I'm starting to have those conversations with my dad, even to the point where it's like, Hey, well, I'm seeing X, Y, and Z happen. What happened when this happened the last time? And he was like, well, this is what happened after this sort of thing. And I'm like, okay. So I should probably be, be getting, getting, getting ready for that. Um, And And you should also be ready for it. You don't know when it's going to hit. Absolutely. It may not be the economy. It might just be, you know, I don't know. You know, you get sick. You know, somebody close to you gets gets sick, get in a car wreck. You know, <laughs> you don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I want to transition a little bit. Uh, again, sure. this background is super interesting to me, but I want people to walk away with that core, that core thing of understanding the importance or unimportance of prototyping. And you can yep. choose kind of walk through any one of your projects. I know there's many, whether it be at Astro, at Frog, or any in the past. Just your experience sure. of is it worth making 80 different <laughs> ideas <laughs> before you well, that, that question is is let, let's talk about prototyping for a second yeah and i'm not going to go back to like the 90s with frog right like i mean astro's been around 24 years right prototyping has changed dramatically right like there is it's not the same um in certain ways and in other ways it's it's exactly the same is you're a designer or you're working with people and maybe you're on a screen or maybe you're sketching something out, mm-hmm. but you know, people can't connect all the dots that you might see in your head or even in the conversation you're having. So prototyping is about getting that out of your head, getting it off a screen, you know, putting it on a screen, whatever, you know, like to give people at least a, you know, if not a full, a partial understanding of what you're trying to achieve, as well as as the designer, you need to learn the you know from those tools i'll give you an example is like you know and you as a designer in this modern age 
you know, most designers spend a lot of time going from sketch to digital. And a lot of times they think like that digital prototype is enough. And it's not for the physical world. Like, you know, like nine times out of 10, you're going to discover some really good things when you get it off the screen and into the physical world. So in, in the product design, industrial design world, that's really important. The other part is digitally, like you can prototype and animate stuff now, right? So UI and UX and storyboards, you know, for example, a lot of times, you know, designers were sort of like painting a picture over time and space. Yeah. And those, those things do that. Like, let me show you how that app works. Let me show you how this interface works. What happens when I do push these buttons and that robot arm takes off? You know, it's like, I mean, those, that's all storytelling. That part hasn't changed, but the tools have gotten a lot better. Mm. But you, so, so prototyping, I'm a big fan of, you can over prototype, you can prototype till, you know, it's like, you know, the market window closed and you missed your opportunity. I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of big companies that do that um, as well as small, small ones. So prototyping is still just a tool to inform you as a designer to make a decision or your team. Like, you know, who's the decision maker at this table? All right. It's you, you're, you're head of marketing. That's fine. Or you're the CEO or you're the head of engineer, whatever. Right. But this, I'm providing you with tools to make decisions. So you as the designer have to put the filter on, like, what's the right tool? How many? What makes sense? Okay. Now, go back to your first question. <laughs> do I need to do 80 of these? Do I need to create wallpaper? Do I need to, like, fill up the room with this stuff? So I can't fight against the education side of that, okay, yeah. which is your, you know, your teachers, professors, people you're working with. That may be their thing, right? Like, okay, it's about... It's not about one sketch. It's about pounds of paper, right? Like, like you want to be a good artist. Don't do one and fall in love with it. Do 50 and tear up the other 49. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so that's where prototyping comes in. You've got to still be judicious about that. Filling up the room, just to fill up the room. Like even in the professional world, I think you asked this earlier. It's like, like my designers like work to usually more like to deadlines than anything, but it's like, I need, I need good ideas. I need ideas that you believe in that have been vetted a bit. If it takes you sketching 80 things, then there's probably something wrong with, you know, the process. Okay. If you just do a dozen to like figure out, you know, and it's not, it's not a real number, right? You do enough so that you feel confident in the ideas that you're going to present and stand behind. Mm. It can be one idea. It can be three or four. Okay. Um, there is a little bit of people that you're working for, professors, clients, partners, they'd like to know that you explored. Sometimes you got to take them on that journey, right? Here's a series of things I've been exploring and looking at. Like I didn't just pick one out of the air and go with it. Like I, like there's a process, you know, a funneling process of ideation. And a lot of times people need to be taken along that journey. So that's why you see like, Oh, here's my top three ideas and pick one. You know, it's usually, that's not the way we work. We'll usually be like, here's your top, Here's our favorite ideas. It could be two, it could be six, it doesn't matter. But here's what we recommend and why. Right. Now, these other right. ones, I wouldn't present them to you if, if we didn't think we could make them work. But they're coming in because they have a different point of view, right? The reason you do multiple of anything isn't just to, like, you know, explore and refine only. It's to actually, like, put a lens on it and go, like, oh, that's more tech. Oh, that's more human. That's softer. That's harder. That's more, you know vector art driven or that's more digital digitally driven or pixelated or whatever the terms are right mm -hmm. variances are good and that's healthy for design right like i mean it's healthy for you to like like okay, it's one idea bam that's it it's like sometimes that works yeah. um and you know and i would never say like don't listen to your first idea because your, your mind is your best 
sculptor, you know, internally to like, you know, knock all the edges off and figure out what this should be. But don't fall in love with it either until you do a little exploration or prototype a little bit. I can tell you the best designers in the world, when they go from their ideas in their head to like a physical thing or a digital experience, what anything in between, they're like, oh, I want to change that. I can make that better. Right. Which is the same reason designers look at everybody else's work and think they can make it better too. So it's the same sort of same thing going on. Yeah. And it's interesting that that's a, a pretty pervasive problem, at least that I see from friends of mine. I mean, a lot of, and even freelance work that I've done, I mean, it's until you have work underneath your belt where it's like you're proven in the market and other people have pretty much said that, yeah, his first idea is good. You need to trust it. Um, <laughs> It's kind of like you're walking people through, specifically in web design because that's that's my specialty right now, and I have more questions about physical product design. But uh, particularly in web design, it's you got to walk people through the process of okay, I know you want the menu to be over here, but let me tell you all the reasons why this menu should be here, as opposed to you know you kind of got to show people what it looks like ahead of time. Um, I, you know what? One of the one of the things, so you know. Mileage is a good thing, right? Like you, you keep, you're going to keep doing this and you're going to get better and better. What happens too is you're going to become more confident, right? The reason you do prototyping and ideation without the client there, so to speak, is so that you're confident in like you've looked at things, but you've also developed a good point of view to um, basically to, to have the confidence to when you sit with the client and go, look, I've explored a lot of things, you know, and you don't, you don't pull the like, I've been doing this for years. I know what I'm doing, you know? That eventually does happen at some point yeah. because you're dealing in a very subjective space mm. a lot of times with design. Okay. And, you know, people are like, well, I don't like those colors or like, I like what I like or the president hates blue or, you know, it's like, whatever. It's like, it's there, right? It's going to happen. But the more confidence you build, the more backup you have in your mind as to why you made the decisions that you're making allows them to like, you know, build, they feel your confidence, Right. And you, you can sort of present those things. You go, look, you know, it's, again, it's not that I've done this a ton, ton of times. Like I've explored a lot of things. This, from my experience, is the, why, the reason you want to do this. The other thing is to challenge them. Like, well, you can be like everybody else. Mm. Or, look, I've created something that you can uniquely own in the marketplace, has value, has intellectual property, has brand value, whatever whatever it is. Like, if you're, like you said, you're in web, right? It's like, You've got a lot of examples out in the world that say, like, this is a very successful application of this. Okay. Yeah. Like, why are we going to reinvent the wheel? Or, like, you know what? The best one out there still has some problems. I've identified those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we do the, you know, like, look at the landscape, look at the competitive landscape comparison. We'll ask clients, depending on what it is, is like, all right, well, before, as we start this process, show me what you like. It could be a completely different industry. You know, like, you're doing a website, it's an e-commerce site for, I don't know, you know, baby clothes or something. And like, say, you know, this guy's like, I really like that BMW thing they did. Like, all right, well, what do you like about it? You know, tell me what is it that's just, you know, oh, it's more professional. It gives me a, you know, a sense of confidence or it's like super premium. Like you pull those things out. And when you take those things and you go, okay, I grabbed those. Now I'm applying them to yours. But we're doing baby products, so I'm gonna do premium baby products that you know you copy. So you, right. you know what I mean? Break it down. So you you got to learn the vocabulary of how to articulate your ideas, but also to, to pull those out of other people, mm -hmm. and then you put it into context. And guess what happens? They, they go like, 
oh yeah, you did make that premium and you made that super like professional and whatever, you know, like, thank you for taking that time and that process of helping me articulate why I like something because I'm not, I'm not a designer or I'm not a developer. I don't have that vocabulary, but you've helped me translate that. So anyway, I'm a little getting on a soapbox there a little bit. Hey, no, no, I love that. This whole show is a soapbox for you actually, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about data to support design decisions. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned, my background before design is a little bit a degree in economics. So to a degree, I love data um, to, the, to the extent that it can support a particular opinion about the human experience. I know that's a little bit deeper than I expected it to come out, but that's, uh, that's my interest. And I want to see what you think about that. You know, data science, um, machine learning is on the rise. Yeah, yeah. If you would have, well, look, I think it's all, it's all a mix and it's all fuel to the process. Yeah. Okay. Um, data is valuable, but data doesn't make your decisions. It's just one more, one more, you know, um, piece of the puzzle that you need to analyze and decide, like, do I just take this and based on the data do do this? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure anybody that broke new ground took the data and just based, based it all off that. You know what I'm saying? So um, that emotional, empathetic, intuitive, you know, um, you, you know, side of design is really important to embrace. But you can't ignore the fact that that data exists, and you know, and you should try to learn from it, like how that might influence. Sometimes you use it to your advantage. Like, well, the reason I did this is because the data says so, right? right. Or you know, we, we have an insights director here and, you know, there isn't anything better than sitting down with real people and providing them stimulus and see how they react to something and go like, oh, I never, I, I, what they, oh, that's amazing. They, you know, or have them just tell you what, you know, what they think or observe them in the process, right? That whole side of it. We, we designers do not have a, you know, corner on the market of insights and intuition, you know, and you don't know everything about everything. So be open to that. But then you got to bring it in and synthesize it. And there is a bit of um, don't be afraid to say, like, based on, you know, on my training, my skills, my talent, this is what I'm recommending. Right. Which is very subjective. Um, my favorite thing is, like, go ask a great baseball hitter. How do they hit a 100 mile an hour fastball? Right. I've been doing it a while. I don't know. I can just do it. I mean, that's half the time when they break it down. They'll just tell you that. Like, just do it. But I've been practicing, right? I've been practicing, practicing. Like I, you know, I, 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 I did everything I needed to to be able to not to do that when I got that opportunity. Okay, so, but that's okay to be like, I don't know, that's my talent, that's my skill. You know, you play the piano really well. I don't, you know, I didn't put the time in, you know, or maybe I don't have the aptitude or the interest, but I do in design. I'm a professional, and this is what we do. And you know, you don't have to, you don't, you really don't. Have, less the less you try to explain it and fight for it, the better. And so sometimes the data helps that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's because people, people, you know, I mean, the USA Today style of data delivery, you know, people like kind of buy into it, unfortunately. But if it's real and it's good, make that part of your process, you know? It's like I talked to 10, 10 mothers about this new baby product, and nine of them said that, and two of them said this. But two that said this is like, that's still valuable, and here's why. You know, like if that helps your cause, you know, and inspires you to do something different, so be it. But man, don't don't let the data and people's opinions of just what they know drive the whole thing. Because it's really difficult to like break new ground in that in that uh, 
that sort of reflective only um, pathway. Man, I, I love that response because I've been in some exact scenarios like that where I find myself, you know, understanding the other side in terms of data, like I said, but advocating yeah. endlessly, ceaselessly for kind of the human intuition. Um, to, yeah. kind of, to kind of move the conversation along, I want to talk, sure. definitely want to talk about product, uh, physical product, that is. And I'm, I'm not as uh, yep. educated in that space, but I think you know, most, mostly me and a lot of my friends, we want to move from, you know, graphic design, t-shirt design, or whatever the case is into web design, which is where I am now into something like Xbox, something like, you know, Tesla, something, you know, we want to see the thing being used. We want to hold it in our hands. There's something beautiful about that. So what, what's different and, you know, what do you need to learn in those spaces to, to make that leap or cross the, cross the chasm, if you will. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's like um, work, I work with a lot of digital people and software companies. Like, like we call, you know, you, if you talk about Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Google, right? They're software companies first, and um, but they're doing hardware, right? And they have a, you know, like their DNA is software. Yeah. And they've hired really good people to do hardware, and it's because they're blending those together. Like the world is blending those together. Like digital experiences or environmental experiences. Things are happening behind the scenes you don't physically see that connect you and you know and you know as we move into AI right predictive technologies and things um, but we're humans you know we're physical beings um, we need um, interactions with physical things and so what's really great about design whether it's digital you know web or product is you got to start to think in terms of time and space. Um, you got to think in terms of how you first are introduced to something and how you live with it and how it matures or it learns, like you said, much machine learning, like how, how it evolves, right? Because it's taking on a lot more human characteristics. So you're having relationships with products, right? Like you have a relationship with those headphones you're wearing, right? I do. That's why they have these little scratches on here. (laughs) Had them so freaking long. And that means something, right? It's like, and that's why. You know, but things patina, right? Things evolve, things eventually break, you know, it's like, but anyways, the human side is like, even if you're the best software developer in the world, it's like you have a connection to the physical world and and, and hopefully an appreciation for that. So when you design things, though, you design for experiences over time and space. That's really important. I think uh, three dimensions is, is important. Like if you really spend a lot of time and just doing flat work, okay, like 2D graphics, yeah. um, but, you know, you know, your 3D elements of web development for example is like it's dimensional like you you know the fact when you add space spatial relationships that's a big help right you you've opened up the z-axis that's very very basic well product side you're in the the z-axis and all axes all the time but what happens when it you know that product moves and articulates and people interact with it or you know like there's a whole series of things and so the storyboarding the the projection of how you start and how you finish Mm -hmm. you know that's a whole process and spending time there to figure out, you know, how that works um, is super helpful and will probably just make your digital products as well as your physical products better. Um, that's actually why we blended those disciplines here, because we do a lot of products that have sort of smart relationships, you know, mobile relationships or on screen or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the physical world, again, gets back to, you know, in prototyping, you can visualize stuff quickly. Um, I mean, I tell you, we still hire people based off how well they sketch on a whiteboard and what their portfolio looks like. 
And then the second thing is their personality. So we know they can work in groups and, and, and you know, express themselves with their, their ideas, yeah. you know, and we don't expect that to be perfect, but you know, like you got to have some, some basics there. Um, and that's, that's for product as well as is digital. Um, but the product side, you got to learn your skills, right? You got to get the basics down. You got to know your stuff. But then, like I said earlier, like figure out how to absorb what's going on around you in a variety of areas of interest. I mean, like, for example, if you like product design, you're like, yeah, but what I really, really like is bicycles, right? Okay, it's fine to go like, like learn everything about bikes, you know, but learn the mechanisms, learn the manufacturing, learn the history, you know, the way, like if you want to specialize like that, go for it, right? Yeah. If you want to be a generalist, that's, t- you know, then just learn your craft of design, right? Like how to tell a wide variety of ideas and how processes work and manufacturing and all that. But, you know, so just feeding, learning and constantly feeding, the, you know, the, the learning that you're doing now is a big part of design and just staying relevant. Because you can kind of stop along the way and just sort of like, you know, bust the same rock every day and you can still produce stuff. So. Where do you stop the process in terms of end-to-end uh, consultancy? I had a, and what I mean by this, I had a discussion yesterday with another interview uh, with a graphic design agency, and they basically stop it at production. That way they say, hey, we don't do printing, we don't do XYZ, but we know resources to do that. With something like Xbox or something in that space, you know, when you come back <laughs> and it's the final yeah. presentation... Yep. What's the handoff? What does the handoff look like? Well, um, I'll give you an answer. Like, so it's different with every project. Okay. It's really important for you to identify what that stopping point is. Okay. Whether you're working with like, you know, a Microsoft and an Xbox or you're starting with a startup, they all have voids. And you as the designer who's there from the beginning, as you move forward, because you want to see your baby produced beautifully, will fill those voids. So they can drag you along for a very long time beyond your compensation relationship as one, you know, like you think of the business side, right? That's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's why I'm saying it. Cause like we do it all the time. Like you end up filling those voids cause you know, or you're like, you know, you'll, you'll join in with them to figure out the voids. Right. But as a consultant, if you identify like, we're going to take it to this point, here's our scope and our deliverables and at this point, this is when we're going to deliver it. Now we get there and you go like, Oh, I need you to hang out longer and go to, you know, work with a production house or help me find somebody that's going to code this or sign somebody that's going to manufacture this. Cool. I'll do that. Do you want to do that on a time and material basis? <laughs> do you want me to give you, you want to put me on retainer and pay me $20,000 a month to pick up the phone and listen, you know, like what do you know? Like, but we have to have a relationship that's, you know, and, and you're vested in making it great, but you don't have to buy it buy it it's not your project to to own and operate right you have a vested interest in making it wonderful like you know because that's that's the painful part about design like that's not how i designed it it came out the other end and that's mm-hmm. fairly recognizable that's that's not good either but you can't buy those projects and fix everything you've gotta you've got to be very aware of what you signed up to do in a scope and how it changes or what the variances are as you go and identify those because a client will tell you like yeah, well, but remember, I didn't really like that one you did. But we came back and we did it again. You know, so you say like, you know what? When I sign up, um, we have two iterations. Beyond two iterations, I need to be paid. And I can estimate at that time what it's going to take for me to do the third and a fourth iteration or whatever it might be. Okay. But you're running a business too. But also there's a professionalism in not being sort of 
dragged around because people can't understand what you stop and deliver. Um, identifying what you're going to deliver, like, all right, I'm going to give you design intent control drawings and files. All right. Mm-hmm. Now this is going to go to your code, you know, party, you know, friends, whatever guy in house that can't design, you know, <laughs> or gonna, I need to help you find a studio that can execute at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But this is where I stop. But I will be on call. I'll help you, you know, transition. My final review is to transition to those people that are going to implement. Okay. Um, or if you need me to implement whatever level of implementation you're doing, then, you know, I can't estimate that because the design's not even done. So when we get to, you know, the last part of whatever phase, I'll say, hold on, timeout. So we know how we're going to implement. Let me, I now know what I designed. This is probably what it'll take to do it. Um, we've done enough web work, by the way, too. It's like that's really important there because clients don't know what they need. They add it and they add and they add. And, and then you're like, I'm in a never ending loop of reiteration, you know, and and the other part is like, oh, you're not going to code this. What do you, what do you, mean? you know, like, even if you do, let's just say you do, right. You set up the simplest Shopify website ever. I don't know, whatever it is, right. They don't like every little thing. Hey, can you do this? Can you change that? I got some new legalese. It just goes on and on and on. <coughs> Excuse me. You got to find somebody in their organization or tell them to hire somebody who now owns this and takes over the maintenance of this. I mean, the biggest digital companies in the world are making tons of money by saying, oh, I got 50 people, Google, I'll drop them in your, your place down there and you just pay me a lot of money every month and they'll maintain it. They'll yeah. keep it going. Well, that's like the perpetual money machine, right? It's, you know, so, so digital, you want to make a lot of money. Digital, you know, has that product doesn't have that necessarily, right? Mm. Like there's physics and tooling and delivery and, you know, there's a point you have to commit and you're committed. Like I'm going to buy a hundred thousand of these, you know, like done, you know, it's like, but, you know, but engineering and manufacturing, we don't do that either. And sometimes that's where clients get jammed up. It's like, well, where's your engineer? Where's your manufacturer? You know, like we talk to them now before we get too far. So, right. you know, anyways, I, I hope that answers your question. It's kind of long. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I only, I know we're running a little close to time. We got a couple more questions yep. and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But the next one I have is really around preventing the plateau, preventing the the standstill in a career. So if you're if you're my age or even hell, if you're 35, if you're 45, it doesn't matter. Both considering money yeah. and also considering skill set, I think the biggest fear a lot of ambitious people have is reaching a point where you know, designers are getting paid pretty well now at a, at a median, I mean, 95 to six figures to 125 whatever you call the number. You know, you get there. Yeah. How do you make that next leap? Wow. Um, there's a lot of factors there. Um, a really smart guy, uh, a lot smarter than me, a long time ago, told me those first few jobs are really, the first job is all about setting you up for the next one. And you do that, you know, maybe three, four, or five times in the first 10 years of working, unless you own it. Okay. Hmm. And... I'm, I, I didn't make it that far. I did three jobs and then I started my own place. <laughs> like, I don't even go in, you know, like, but, but there was something beautiful in that, which is like, you know, if you got a great work ethic, you know, you're going to work hard. You're not going to do all this stuff. And, you know, corporations and people and companies, they don't always, you know, fully recognize that. And you got to be okay with that because you don't own the company. They do. And you're, you know, they, they're dealing with a lot more stuff than just your happiness as an employee, even though the world would like us to think that that's our number one job. 
it's like, okay, you know. Um, so I guess my, my point there is like, um, understand like your value in the marketplace and realize that maybe every time you move, um, you know, why you're doing it, right? Like I have a lot of designers that come to us and they like, they want the experience of consulting. And after a few years, they're like, okay, now I want to go into a corporation and I want to dive deep into one category instead of consulting on 50 over three or four years or whatever. Totally get that. Makes sense. Okay. Um, but understand why you want to do that. Okay. What is it you're looking for? What is it you're trying to do? Mm. Um, every designer I've met also has that like, oh, I want to make my own products. I want to do my own thing. I want to build something. Like, and that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, if you do figure out what that is, because your idea is like 10% of that journey. 80, 90% of that is bust and rock with, you know, the, the business side and the sales side and the manufacturing. Like it's a lot more work. And, you know, which is fine. I love it. We've done that, you know, and, and, you know, it makes you feel good because every once in a while you're like, geez, all I'm doing is doing that guy's ideas. You know, I'm getting paid, but it's just that person's, you know, thing. And a lot of designers, that's not very satisfying. And it sort of creates this constant angst, you know? So, you know, we call it, you know, most designers I know have, if not more frequently, we call it mid-year crisis, right? Like it's not midlife, it's mid-year, you know, and, (laughs) You know, I, and I love designers. I love create. I'm a designer. Right? I love creative people and working with them. But you gotta like, you gotta like know yourself a lot. And one of those things is that some designers, just like any people, not just people, really, like some employees, some people, some collaborators, whatever, need a hug every day. Some need one once a month. Some never do. They just need a lot of high fives. You know, it's like whatever that is um, that kind of keeps you moving and motivated. A lot of discontent and angst in design is what makes people actually design really well and to move forward and to like not get stuck in that job and not to like, you know, like designers, because you look at everything and think like I can make it better. You look at your careers that way quite often, too. And so grass is always greener, you know, et cetera. You ask another thing, though, like people are throwing a lot of money at design, building a lot of in-house teams where it used to not be the case. And, and you know, like we work with Samsung every year but they've got close to 2000 designers on staff. Like, what do they need us for? Right. Well, because those 2000 designers are stuck in a system and they talk to each other all day long, but we get to talk to a whole lot of other people. Right. So again, figuring out like, what do you want to do? You want to go into a system, nothing wrong with that. Right. You can learn a lot. Like you learn your craft wherever you're at, but you can learn a different deep dive craft that we might not learn in the consultancy, or you might not learn on your own, just being a, a freelancer and consultancy, like super nimble, whatever. Um, I would say somewhere in your early career, get involved with, with a couple of startups, you know, just to like recognize the parts of the machine firsthand. If you get involved with a big company, you might just be like creating wallpaper and getting paid, you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you get in with a startup and you realize like, Oh, that guy's got a venture capital pitch tomorrow. I can help you with that presentation or I got here look at this mock-up out of the lab and clean it up and you know here there you go making you look good or you know what I'll go with you we'll go pitch it together right yeah so so that's sort of you know if you can if you can have that experience um just be careful you can get addicted to startups and never make any money and just be kind of you know jaded after a while like the the startup groupie (laughs) perpetual what do they call them? Serial. We, I mean, we have, we have in Silicon Valley, trust me, um, serial entrepreneurs, right? Right. But I like that startup groupie. Um, <laughs> well, hey, one, 
you probably know this already, but like designers are promiscuous. Okay. Like everything looks good. Like I can like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a terrible thing, but I can make it look better. So let's hang out. Right. And figure it, make it work better. Right. And so that's a good trait, but you got to watch it too. Cause you'll fall in love with everybody's design, everybody's problem, everybody's company. And you won't see the the problems that can there can they can suck you down. So, absolutely, I, lo- I love that as the official cap to the show. But I do have one question that I always cap with with everyone. Uh, sure. Is what would you say to the seventeen year old version of yourself? <laughs> um, get a real estate license. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Give us two or three more years, and I'll, I think you might not want to say that again. <laughs> No, no, dude. I mean, like, I've, I've actually thought about that a little bit. Um, yeah. it, that seventeen-year-old is um, learn constantly. Don't stop learning. You know, um, don't don't let pursuit of perfection stop you from expanding your your um, your education base. Um, it happens a lot in design. It happens in life, anyways. Mm. But, you know, if you can't be the best, um, it's something a lot of people will stop. Like, I can't be the best. I'm not going to do that. Don't don't let that stop you. Right. Like you can be a bad guitar player. That's OK. You can be a terrible basketball player or runner or something. But if you love it, just do it and get, you know, and participate in it. And don't worry about that perfectionist overlay that most designers, developers, you know, creative people have. Because you, you'll limit yourself, and by the time you get to be down the road, you'll be like, "Damn, why didn't I keep doing that?" You know. And so keep keep doing it, keep educating. You know, go to classes, read a lot more books, do a lot more exploring. You know, talk to more people than you would normally. Man, I love that. <clears throat> to wrap up, how how can people be on the lookout for stuff coming out of the studio and stuff that you're working on personally? Maybe it's not related to official work. You know. Oh, it's okay. Um, so uh, my company is my um, never-ending design project. Lots of moving parts. Right. And then, but all companies are that, right? Like if they're not moving and challenging and never finished, they're probably dead or sold or something, right? So a business is a living organism. And for me, I think it's probably created that addiction of just applying design in all aspects. I get to direct a certain amount of design um, and I get to just collaborate um, I do a lot of business development, so I'm, I'm out meeting with the people that are going to hire us, you know, and setting the tone for what they can expect from our business, you know, what our character of our company is, um, what the enthusiasm and expertise of the company is. So it's a lot of it's a lot of sales, right? And you'll find that, like, you know, if you're one person or 50, you're selling if you're the one out front. Um, and I like it. I don't mind. I, I feel really good about what we sell. Um, so what you can find from us is my... I'm never satisfied with website. You can go there and see what's there. You can see our social media, our Instagram. You know, we keep it fresh as we can, you know, and relevant as we can. Uh, we're always behind, like stuff. You know, I got like six or seven things that have already come out that aren't on the website. Right. People don't know we did it. Um, but you know, we try to share, we try to keep that open dialogue. So you'll see what we do. Um, we are doing a lot in mixed technologies that we basically call new realities. So AR, VR, IoT, mm. you know, like all the all the technologies that are invading, you know, humanity. Like we're 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 in those. Like we're doing a lot of those. Um, at the same time, in our studio, we try to keep a mix of just pure fashion, pure 
furniture or, um, you know, sporting goods or consumer goods, things that don't have bits and wires and batteries. We try to try to balance that. And we're probably about a 70, 30 air fuel mix in the engine, you know, most, you know, a lot of CE, a lot of stuff. And that's what people know us for. So they hire us to like, like scout that out, right? right. Go figure out how to wear AR and not offend everybody, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, that kind of world. Thanks so much for tuning in. That's a wrap for this week. Damn. Brett's a great guy. I love talking to him. I love this conversation. Hopefully you really did too. As you can tell, it's never just about one tactic. It's about the mindset behind doing the work. And that's why we started this movement. You know, it's not simply so that we can get the chance to talk to so many people that we look up to and that we're peers with or that we're aspiring to be like. It's so that we can bridge that gap between the 17-year-old version of ourselves, hence the last question, and the current version of ourselves as we grow. So stay in tune with what we got going. We got so much planned. We're being patient with our work. You can always check us out at edu.guess. Two S's at the end. It's on Instagram. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want, what you like, what you dislike. We'd love the feedback, and we'll check in with you next week. Peace.